I woke up this past Wednesday morning, the day after Evalde, with four words in my head. Separation is an illusion. Does that ever happen to you? You wake up with an idea or song or something just kind of already at the front of your mind, like it was just waiting for you to regain consciousness and notice. When it happens to me, it's usually random songs or things that make no sense. But this time it was separation is an illusion. <laughs> and I, I couldn't shake it. I sat down to write this sermon and I just couldn't shake it. It seemed like the right thing at the right time. And I attribute this particular instance to the fact that I've had the scripture reading we heard earlier, that they may all be one, bouncing around in my head for weeks in preparation for this sermon, but also I know it was definitely related to the heartbreaking events of these past few weeks. Separation is an illusion. I wasn't sure where exactly it had come from. So I did what you do, I Googled it. And obviously this is a very general statement and there's nothing new under the sun, right? It can be attributed to a whole lot of people and places, but there was one result that jumped out at me. <laughs> it was season two, episode 18 of Avatar The Last Airbender. And I was thrilled by that because I am maybe just the smallest bit obsessed with this show and I have been since I was a kid. I've seen every episode probably too many times. I'm rewatching it again right now. And I'm actually currently running a campaign of the brand new official tabletop role-playing game for which I may or may not have been a backer on Kickstarter. You get the idea. <laughs> maybe you're also obsessed with the show. It's had something of a resurgence over the past couple of years. Or maybe you watched it as a kid, or maybe your kids watch it, or maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about, and that is totally fine. Either way, uh, here's a quick, mostly spoiler-free rundown just to get us all on the same page. And yes, I did think about just reciting the intro here from memory, but I thought it would be easier to just explain everything. <laughs> so here we go. The show is set in a fantasy world in which there are four nations, loosely inspired by a handful of different Asian and indigenous cultures, and each of which has their identity built around one of the four elements, water, earth, fire, and air. Some people in this world are benders, meaning they have control over an element and can manipulate or bend it at will, but only one person can control all four of the elements, the avatar, who is reincarnated into a different nation in the cycle every time that they die. So in the era in which the show takes place, the Fire Nation is the aggressor in an expansionist war which has been going on for about a century. And at the beginning of the war, they wiped out the entirety of the peaceful monastic air nomads, and they've been pushing to conquer the rest of the world ever since. This kid's show deals with some pretty big, heavy themes of war and industrialization, power and prejudice, genocide, imperialism, justice, and it follows Aang, the new avatar and the last airbender, who has been frozen in an iceberg, just go with it, for almost a hundred years, and thus, despite having been alive since before the beginning of the war, is only 12 years old, <laughs> and now the hope of the entire world. 
the only one who can possibly restore balance. So he and this ragtag team of other kids and teenagers from each of the various nations set out to travel the world so that Aang can master his power over all four elements and eventually defeat the Fire Lord before the Fire Nation achieves world domination. And along the way, they meet and help and learn from all kinds of people in all kinds of places. There are victories and defeats, love and friendship, betrayals, family issues, loss and redemption. It's really beautifully written with incredible characters, an immersive and compelling fantasy world, and a killer soundtrack. And that's probably more information than you needed. And I promise we're almost to the Jesus part. But also, you want to watch the show now, right? So that idea, separation is an illusion. It happens like this. At the end of season two, Aang is training with a spiritual guide, Guru Patik, who is helping him learn how to connect with the cosmic energy of the universe. And that leads to this conversation in which Guru Patik says, the greatest illusion of this world is the illusion of separation. Things you think are separate and different are actually one and the same. Like the Four Nations, Aang says. Yes, says the guru, we are all one people, but we live as if divided. We're all connected, Aang interprets. Everything is connected. Patik continues, even the separation of the four elements is an illusion. If you open your mind, you will see that all the elements are one, four parts of the same whole. Over the past month, the series here at Bethany has been about Dr. Corinne Ware's four spiritual types, which we're calling head, which is the intellectual type side of spirituality, heart or the emotional side, hands or the service and social aspect, and spirit or the mystical side. And me being who I am and having the week that I've had, I couldn't help but think of these four types as being like the four elements, and not just because there's an easy counterpart for each. I mean, obviously spirit is the air nomads, hands are the earth kingdom, heart is the water tribes, and head is the fire nation. There's more to it than that. Because like the four elements in Avatar, these spiritual types are part of the same whole, not meant to divide us, but to show us to ourselves, and in so doing, to point us back to what and who truly unites us. Separation is an illusion. In John's gospel, on the night he was arrested, Jesus spends a long time praying over the disciples. And in that prayer, he prays that they may all be one. You may recognize this verse. It happens to be the motto of the United Church of Christ. But what stood out to me this time is that, yes, he prays that we may all be one, but he does not pray that we may all be the same. No, his request is specifically that they, that we here and now may all be one. There's a difference, which he spells out even further. The glory that you have given me, he says, I have given them so that they may be one as we are one. One of the great mysteries of our faith is that Jesus and the Father are one, but not the same. They have the same essence, but it manifests differently. One incarnate, one not, and, you know, the Holy Spirit is there too, binding it all together. If we are to be one the way that Jesus and our heavenly parent are one, as he prays we will be, then it's by our differences, not by our sameness. Like them, we complete each other. 
And Jesus doesn't pray this prayer for his benefit or God's benefit. No, he prays it for ours. He wants us to hear that we might recognize the illusion of separation for what it is, an illusion. That they may be completely one, Jesus says, so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. Though we are different, we are one in our belovedness. This is our reality, and Jesus' prayer for us, God's dream for us, is that we will wake up and realize it. That we will see the truth of who we are, different but not meant to be divided, beloved and one in love, unique and beautiful and good, and also more alike and connected than we could ever really know. In the Avatar universe, even though the four nations and most individuals each identify most strongly with one of the four elements, they all need and use every element to survive. Water, earth, fire, air. At their core, these things unite more than they divide. This can be true for our spiritual types, too, and for so many other things. We may each identify more strongly as intellectual or emotional, mystical or service-oriented, and that's natural and good, but our collective faith by necessity encompasses all four. Learning about our spiritual types isn't just an exercise in self-knowledge, but a practice of seeing the world, seeing God, through other people's eyes and experiences, and learning more about God and the world as we do. It's all valuable. And whatever our leanings may be, none of us is just one of these things. Each of us is some combination of them, though the combinations vary widely. We have to make room for each other, for our varied experiences and gifts and goodnesses. All of it points us to God, all of it, and God points us to oneness. This idea that I'm stuck on, that separation is an illusion, that the things we think are different are really one and the same, Father, Son, Spirit, you, me, us, it has some pretty heavy implications. (laughs) For example, as the kids learn in the show, and as we've been reminded over the past few weeks, there's no harm we can do to another that doesn't also harm us, whether whoever is doing the harm is aware of how it also hurts them or not. The pain and brokenness of this world just seem to reverberate out and go on and on and on. And I know that we were not made to live like this, constantly awash in fear and anger and grief. It is not sustainable. That separation eats away at us. There is a reason Jesus told us to pray for our enemies and our loved ones alike. But then... The reverse is also true. Good ripples out and farther than you think. And if we want to do any good in this world, and if you ask me, this is the real crux of both Avatar and the gospel, (laughs) we need each other. If we are ever to be well or whole, we have to recognize the illusion of separation. We have to respond to Jesus' prayer so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. This is the work of being church, being different, but not divided. It's the work you're already doing, be it with your head, hands, heart, spirit, or any combination thereof. And friends, that work is good. Amen.